Sure, God is good. Amen. We've got, uh, somebody came up to me a couple of minutes ago, that was Llewellyn, and he said to me that we have a family visiting us from Durban, but they've never been here before. They have been watching us online. Who's their family? Awesome, man. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Long distance. Oh, I love it. I love it. I hope you're not disappointed because he looks so much better in TV than he does now. So are you guys okay? Hey, hey, they're here for Jesus, okay? <laughs> no, just kidding. Awesome, man. Welcome, guys. Welcome. How did you guys hear about us uh, out, all the way out there in Derbs? Oh, through Kimon. Nice, nice. Kimon is such a beautiful testimony. Just came back from Dubai. And, uh, sorry, Abu Dhabi. And... Um, She's going to share it with us one of these days soon. You guys are really, really going to be blessed by it. God is good. Amen. 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 I said God is good. Amen. Amen. Wow. This is the month of the cross, family. We, uh, we, we decided to go all the way with the cross because um, we realized that there's so many things about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that most Christians don't know about. Amen. And so we thought it would be... Uh, uh, good for us to take a deep dive, and that's what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks. Have you guys been enjoying it? Amen. Yes, give him a round of applause for his word. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> you know, there's so many, there's so many um, incorrect beliefs that the church carries uh, when we classify ourselves as Christians. You know, with so many denominations, there's 38,000 Christian denominations. Did you guys know that? 38,000. Okay, and uh, within that 38,000, there's so much human uh, touch on the gospel that it creates a misconception, it creates misplaced faith, which we're going to talk about this morning, um, and that's a big issue, family. It's a massive issue for us as Christians, amen? We've got to understand something, that most of the time, you don't have a faith problem. How many of you guys know that? You have a misfaithed problem misplaced faith problem you see we always said it from the beginning when in this church and that is if you get the wrong gospel you get the wrong jesus amen and we have to make sure that we get the essence of the gospel and the essence of the gospel is the death the burial and the resurrection of jesus christ paul the apostle comes to a place in his life where he says men only preach the cross now he's not saying don't preach anything else but he's saying, focus on that. That is where our faith is. Our faith is in what happened on the cross, in the grave, and through the victory that Christ won over death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. That is where our faith is. Amen? Amen. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, I just love this church. I just love this church. I love this church. <laughs> Why? Because over here we keep it about Jesus. Amen? And you're going to see some things this morning that are really, really going to bless you, and you're going to just feel so, such total relief about how good your God is to you. Amen. Amen? Some of the things that are going to come out this morning is we're going to see that we've got to know who God is and His character. Amen? How can we believe in a God that we don't know? Amen? And we have to understand that that good God and His character has made promises. So if we don't know the character of God, how can we believe his promises? Yeah. Amen? Have you ever met somebody who says, hey man, I'll, I'll get you this, I'll see you there, I'll do this for you, and nothing ever comes to fruition? Anyone met any people like that? Next time they come and speak to you, how, how much faith do you have in their word? Are you with me? So we've got to understand something. God's word, he says in Psalms, is higher than himself. So he says, you can take my word to the bank. Because whenever I speak something, because a man's word is only as good as his character. So God says, when I say something is yours, when I say it is finished, when I say that you can partake of it because of Jesus, then you know you can take that to the bank. Amen. Why? Because he's a good God. He doesn't change. He stays the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not like us. Let every man be a liar. Amen. But not God. He can't be. He can't be. He's a good God. So the, the, the pillars of our faith, of understanding our faith, is number one, we need to know that He is a good God. Amen. 
We can't. We can't trust and pray to a God that we still think is making us sick. Putting cancer on us and disease on us so that, we can, so that he can test our faith. This morning you're going to see in the word that it's not your faith in the first place. And that the faith that you are required to work by is built on something else. Amen? So he is a good God. Okay? What does his word say about us? We need to know that in our hearts. Amen? We need to know how this good God lords over us. So important. And then we also need to know what does this good God expect from us. Amen. Are you guys ready to go on a journey? Yes. Amen. God is so good. Turn to the person next to you say, man, I'm in love. I used to sing a song, I'm in love with a man. And uh, my domestic worker used to think I was homosexual. <laughs> <coughs> She still said to me, how? Sir, you're singing about a man. I said, yes, his name is Jesus. I'm in love with him. <laughs> I'm in love with him. Amen? So we, we started this journey by showing you something that most people don't even know. It's so funny. When we started on Easter weekend, we spoke about how, we have been, how Jesus was crucified before the foundations of the earth. Amen? So we went way back because we want to establish faith in your hearts like never before. Amen? We wanted to show you how this work is locked in and it was so locked in, it was already locked in before you were born. Amen? It was locked in before Adam and Eve uh, ate of the tree of the knowledge and good and evil. And I still said to Bash at that time, I said, most people don't even know this stuff exists. And funny enough, at a bra in the last couple of weeks, a family member of mine, very religious, unfortunately, started arguing with me. They're like, no, can't be. Can't be. I was like, it's in the Bible. You see, when religious cows get killed, okay, they die in a very ugly way. <laughs> because we must be so careful, family, of not making up a Jesus that suits us. We have to get the one that's in the Bible. Amen? Remember what we said last week, why did the Pharisees reject Jesus? Because they, had, they, they wanted a Christ, a Savior, a Redeemer that would come and suit their lifestyle and allow them to maintain their power through their works. Are you with me? They never wanted, they never accepted him for who he was. And the first and biggest problem was, is because for years they had projected a Christ from their self-righteousness. And when the true righteousness of God stood in front of them, they could not recognize him. Jesus said there with his own words, you seek life in the scriptures day and night, and now life stands before you and you cannot recognize him. Amen? We cannot afford to worship a Jesus that does not exist. Are you with me? Uh, a scripture that just comes to mind now is 1 John 2, uh, 28. Let's just read that quickly. <clears throat> 1 John 2, 28. Just to affirm the point that I'm making there, I hope that's the right scripture. And now little children abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you're abiding in the wrong Jesus, <laughs> if you're abiding in some other religious idea of Jesus, or the one that your opa and your oma gave you, are you with me? We've got to be careful. My opa and oma, they came from the nieder, the Nederlands. I can't even say it properly. It sounds Arab. But the Nederlands. Kerk. Mierda. Kerk. Okay. And then. <laughs> Men. And let me tell you something. The weird and wonderful ideas that came from that, from that era is uh, why we eventually gave birth to apartheid. I mean, they used to say the weirdest things and crazy stuff, you know, like the black man is the, the water pail carrier of the white man. I was like, where did you get, can you show me the scripture? Are you with me? Uh, this interracial marriages and all this stuff, it's against God. But then you go to the scripture, you see that Moses married an Ethiopian woman. So you think, are you with me? Do you understand, if we don't get the true image of Jesus, the one that we're going to make up is going to destroy us and everyone around us. Yeah. 
to the point where people will put into law a practice where um, one set of human beings are less than another. Yeah. Man, that's what it did. Yeah. Amen? I don't know if you want to jump in there, Bash, before we really get rolling. I do, but we might roll in a different direction. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> Please kidding. don't do this. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> but, uh, but 100%, guys, uh, you know, the, the, everyone say the true Jesus. The true, true Jesus, Jesus. Because Jesus himself said he is the way, the truth, and the life, you know. And truth is never a concept, a theory, a principle. Truth is always a person. And every single way that Jesus acted, everything that he spoke, how he treated people, how he spoke about God, that is the truth we need to be applying, you know? Now, you know, a statement like, listen, we gotta be careful we get the right Jesus, it's, it's not to make people think like, oh, do I have the right Jesus, you know? The, the, the thing is, is that um, when we talk about are we getting the right Jesus, is that are we creating God in a way to protect ourselves? Or are we accepting who God is to be our protector? Are you with me? That's a very important principle because in every religion around the world, you must remember, every religion acts in accordance with the higher power they believe in. Okay? And I did that because every religion has a higher power. You know? And the way they act, they're getting it from the higher power. Are you with me? Therefore, you and I walking with Jesus and knowing him, the true Jesus that he is, we should be walking in the same way that he does. And the way that he does is in love. Jesus doesn't walk in a way that puts people down or destroys them or casts them out or, you know, allows evil, allows injustice and all these things. Are you with me? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And these 30,000 denominations that you were talking about, along the way, they have formed their own opinions, theories, and logic to protect something that they have in their heart. Are you with me? But the truth and understanding who Jesus is, has, it's all got to be about beholding who he is and changing our own hearts in line with that. We don't change who Jesus is in line with what's in our hearts. Are you with me? We change what's in our heart based on who Jesus is. And people, praise the Lord, that's a good place to clap, yeah. <laughs> and people always want to change who Jesus is based on what's in line in their heart because the love of God has not given them the confidence and the safety to accept who Jesus is. Are you with me? Someone can come up here and let's say they're guilty about things that they did in their life and they're hoping that God doesn't strike them down. That person's going to give you an image of God that is vengeful, judgmental, fearful. Are you with me? Someone else can come up here and they're loving what they're doing in their heart that's not necessarily producing life. They're loving it and they'll give you another story about, hey man, this is all in grace. You go do what you want. It's the grace of God. You're free, man. You know? Also wrong. Are you with me? The purpose of the message that's in this Bible is so that we may come to know life himself. Are you with me? Jesus even said, and this is abundant life that they may know your denomination, your theory, your doctrine. No, this is abundant life that they may know me. Amen? That is the key, guys. And the foundation of knowing God is always his love for us. Because God had no other motive towards us. He had no motive to appease himself, to appease anyone else. He had no motive to settle a debt with the devil. He had no motive to fight a spiritual war or whatever it is. His motive was purely love to us. What is John 3.16? For God loved the world that he gave his only son. Yes, yes, Sunday school. Memory verse, hallelujah. You all get a static key, well done. All right? But we always got to bring it back to... To that because the Bible says God is one of two things or is two things God is love and God is light are you with me so anything apart from that we're making a personal Jesus amen every time you say that I think of I the bash mode I know. <laughs> anyway so um, that's beautiful bash that's beautiful so what we're gonna do is we're gonna actually have to recap a little bit how many of you guys were here last week and what happened was we got into the grave stuff and then uh, Unfortunately, the lights went out. 
So we were preaching in the dark, but you guys could hear it though. I mean, there was a lot of passion last week. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, thank you for forgiving me. <laughs> but I was in the flesh last week. I was frustrated because of certain things that uh, I wanted um, us to do. But God is good. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So let's just go back to that because we've shown you now the cross before the foundation of the earth we all know what happened to christ on the cross amen but what we're going to do is we're going to delve quickly a little bit into the humanity of christ because that's the thing that gets lost a lot in in the, the teachings in the modern day church okay so christ arrives on the scene and the pharisees um, they have made up extra messianic miracles that need to be done. There was four messianic miracles. There was 324 prophecies that Jesus had fulfilled. Are you with me? So you must remember that from the Garden of Eden all the way through, there was a promise of the one. Are you with me? That promise never changed. There was the testament of God. It's called the scriptures, God's nature, the word of God, what God promised his people. He wanted to pull a people out from the world, and he wanted to be God over them, and he made a way through Christ before the foundation of the earth. Amen. So everything, all the, all the words through the prophets, all the stuff, 320 prophecies of the Messiah, to come and then the Messiah comes and then he fulfills the, the four messianic prophecies which is to, to cast out a devil out of a, out of a deaf and dumb person um, to, to raise somebody from the dead after three days before uh, um, what do you call it has uh, kicked in yeah, um. <clears throat> what's it well, just when the rot, before the rot kicks in, rigor mortis, yeah. Um, the, I can't remember, there was two more. But Christ fulfills all four of the messianic miracles, and guess what happens? The Pharisees still ask him for a sign. And he gets upset, man. Now remember, Jesus doesn't have anything more special than you and I. All Jesus has is the character of God, the promises in the word, and... Um, the, the actual uh, word that God said that he would be the way that people get adopted back to him. Amen. So Jesus has got nothing. Jesus is all God and all man. Are you with me, family? All he has is the same tools that you have right now, except you have something a lot, a little bit more extra, which is the finished work of Jesus. But I want you to understand what Jesus had to go through here. He's only got God's character and God's promises to work with, nothing else. So they ask him for a sign, and he says, listen, you're adulterous generation. No sign will be given to you, only the sign of the prophet Jonah. So Jesus is saying, the only thing that I have to where you want a sign, but the only thing that I can even work with is the testimony and the word of God. Are you with me? That's what, he, that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you're adulterous because you don't believe in the word. You're not adhering to the promises of the Messiah to come. And then what happens is, for us, we need to jump back into Jonah. How many of you guys know what happened to Jonah? Anybody remember Jonah? It's not the Jonah's brothers. It's Jonah, the one who went into the whale. Okay. And he was, in the, he was in the whale for three days and three nights. Okay. And what takes place in, this, in this, the belly of the fish is the prophetic sign of what will take place in the grave with Jesus. Are you with me? So let's quickly go back to, to Jonah 2 verse 2 and we'll kick it off over there. Man. God is good. Yeah, sorry, the online guys, I know the stream went dead last week, but because um, we, we didn't know there was a maintenance in the area about, uh, I think it was a cable or something, yeah. They had to replace the cable, <laughs> and then we had to preach under the light of the laptop in our auditorium. It was pretty cool. <laughs> well, let's actually just read through it, and then we'll break it down. Is that cool? We'll read from two to nine. Let's go. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. Okay, the word Sheol is the place of the dead. It's the abode of the dead, okay? And he's saying here now, I cried out by faith, and you heard my voice. 
Not that you, I hope that you would hear my voice. He says, I cried out by faith and you heard me. Are you with me, family? You heard me. Out of the belly of the earth, out of the, the abode of the dead, that place where man is completely disconnected from the earth and from heaven. Are you with me? All Jesus had was this text. And he said that he, basically he models the same way through Jonah, how he used his faith in the grave. Amen? Let's go on. Three. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Do you see the faith? Do you see what he's, how he's saying it? He's saying, you've cast me into the deep, and you know the billows and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. He's talking about the death the sin, the shame, the guilt, the condemnation that he has received on our behalf. See, Jesus didn't just take our sin, he became sin. Jesus became that pinnacle point of all eternity on the whole timeline, and he basically became the vacuum of death. Yes. Death in itself, he sucked up into himself. Everything that came with death, physical death, mental death, spiritual death, separation from God, Jesus had to take that on him so that he could be the firstborn of the dead, the firstborn of the brothers that are sitting in this room. Amen? So people don't understand this. Can you imagine? Now he's taking death from the start, the moment death entered into the world. It entered through one man, amen? Who was he? Adam. The scriptures say in Romans 5, one man sin, everybody became a sinner, right? Through one man's righteous deed, everyone would become righteous. Where are you and I in this picture? Righteous. We are righteous, but this thing's not about us. It's about the one man, Adam, and this other man, Adam, the second Adam, who came and took everything upon himself. And you and I are simply beneficiaries to the work that Jesus did. Come on. Amen? Yeah. You've got to understand this, fam. Yeah. People are always trying to uh, put themselves in the scripture. And that's where the problem comes. When you put yourself in the scripture, man, you're going to start scrambling around looking for strength and power in the wrong place. When you put yourself in the scripture, your entire faith will be misplaced. Your faith is not in you. Your faith is not in your faith. Your faith is not in me. Your faith is not in him or Pastor Tasso. Your faith is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Come on. And this is what he's saying here. He's saying... Um, the sin, the shame, and everything. He was drowning. And some of the, the text actually says that the weeds were coming over him and they were pulling him down. And he's taking the sin of man. He's taking death upon him. And he says, then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Separation from God. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. He's using his faith. He says, no matter what has happened here right now, no matter what's going on, I will again look to your holy temple. Amen? Listen, Jesus only had what you had. He had to have faith in the promises of God. He had to have faith in who God said he was. Are you with me, family? We must never forget this, the human, the human side of Jesus. He says, the water surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, O God. So what are you saying? He's saying, listen, man, he's in that place where the bars of the earth, he's separated from God now. He is in between. Remember when, when Mary first saw him when he, when he uh, came out of the, the grave? And Mary recognized him. What was the thing that Jesus said to her? He said, do not cling to me because I have not ascended yet. He was in that place. 
Now, he's in that place. He's between the earth and he's between heaven. And he looks back and he sees the bars of the earth have closed on him. There's no way back. And he knows that he is cut off from God's presence. As it says over there, then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. So he has, he has done what he needed to do in the body. He, has, he is now fighting in the grave so that he can win the victory over the separation of the soul from life itself. Are you with me, family? Yeah. Let's go. Let's carry on reading. Um, verse 4. Well, that was 3 to 6. Oh, was that 3 to 6? Yeah. Gee whiz, sorry, man. Uh, I'm off, yeah. <laughs> okay. 7 to 9. Let's go, yeah. Let me follow one, then I'll know where I'm going. <laughs> Okay. And he says, I remember the Lord. He says, if you go back to six, is it six? No, sorry, seven. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Go back to seven. It says, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to you in your holy temple. Wow. He's saying that his own soul fainted on him. His own soul crushed him. Amen. But let me tell you something. This is, this is something that we have to relate to because if God's character is not real to you, if you don't know God is good, when the moment sickness comes on your body and you are for in a moment thinking, oh, you know what? God is putting the sickness on me so that he can refine my, my loyalty and my faith to him. You're in trouble. Your own soul, your own feelings at this moment. Jesus says his own soul. What's his soul? His mind, his will, and his emotions have crushed him. And all he has in a crushed state of soul is faith in what God said. You will be the one. You will be the one that will redeem all of my people. You are the righteous one. You are the, you are the Christ. Last week we were saying, can you imagine when he was born, his mom said to him, listen, son, you are the one. You, you, are, you weren't born of a man. Joseph's not your father. The Holy Spirit impregnated me. Can you imagine what he must be thinking? Because he's a human just like you and I. But he had to believe it. He had to believe it because when the time came that he was hanging on the cross and they were piercing him in his side, all he had was faith in the word, faith in the promise that you'll go through this thing, but you will be the firstborn of the dead. So he knows the moment is here. They're piercing me in my side. Oh my gosh, this is it. There's another prophecy being fulfilled. He'll be pierced in his side. His bones will not be broken. They, bo they broke both, and every other person who got crucified's bones were broken except Jesus. And the prophecies are fulfilled, and now he goes into the grave, and now it's where the fight begins. Yeah. And he is to use his faith. He's got nothing else. And I know that I will look upon your temple again. In other words, he's saying to himself, he's saying, I know I'm going to be seated at the right hand when this is done. Mm. This thing will not keep me down. Death, where is your sting? Oof, let's go. Grave, where is your power? Are you with me? Yeah. He can't go back. The earth is closed. God's, he's out of God's sight. He's separated. And all he has is faith. Mm. Let me tell you something. When crunch time comes into your life, is God real enough? When your own soul crushes you, when your own feelings deceive you, and you have no way out. I was telling Bash last week, when it comes to depression, do you know depression is a scary thing? Anyone been there? Let me tell you something. You feel like you're surrounded 24-7. Because <laughs> you are. Because the enemy is actually speaking in your soul. He's using your own feelings and your own misplaced faith against you. And the more you're trying to get out of it, the more you are leaning onto your feelings and your feelings are not lining up with the word. And the more you're trying to get out of it, your own self-image and your own belief is working against you because you don't actually believe who you are in Christ because you don't know what Christ did in the death, burial, and resurrection. Yeah. 
Now your soul is getting crushed. You're facing divorce. You don't know how to get out of this thing. How do I save this? What do I do? You're facing sickness in your body. You're facing whatever challenge. Do you know the word, the way Christ knew the word in his human form? To beat the grave. Because remember, death is a continuum. Death is not just death, uh, separation from God. It's all kinds of death that Christ paid for. Death in your health, death in your feelings, death in your marriage, death in your workplace, death in your finances. Do we know who God is like Christ did for us to move through these things? That's why we are so hard when it comes to making this about uh, um, the next big concert at Yilsong. See, because Christians are basing their walk on feelings and emotions that they are having at a nice big concert with all the, the great singers and bands and smoke machines. But when the music stops, family, do you have this in your soul? Are you with me? How real is it? Most Christians don't even know what took place in the grave. They have some kind of remote idea or concept. Yeah, 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 the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll be honest, but I used to hear that. I'm like, huh? You're pleading. You're pleading the, what, what is it that, what does it mean to plead? Because you're praying for me and you're like, no, we plead the blood. I'm like, huh? Are you what does that mean? Plead is, what's plead? It's like to make, like, like to beg, to make a case for, you're begging the blood? What? What do you, what? Do you, what? <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but what you're saying about understanding the death, guys, and, and I think I'll, I'll bring this up here before we move on to verse 8, right? Um, I was waiting for you to jump in. Yeah, like, man, you were just going. I'm like, hey, let me not, let me not go here. But, um, this image that we're painting over here, right, and, and that death is a continuum is so important because this is where the deception about God has completely uh, um, bamboozled all of humanity, not just Christians or everyone, is that this place where Jesus is, is a reality that all of us are living in every day in some way or another, all right? You see, like you're saying, don't understand what happened in the death. See, when God came to be human flesh, to walk the way we do, to walk with God the way we're supposed to, right? When he came to do that, he came to give us the fullness of everything, right? And even in this prophecy in Jonah, he came to give us the fullness of what death looks like. Because you tell a lot of Christians, oh, no, no, you know, you know the Bible says... Uh, Separation from God is death. And they're like, oh, okay, oh, that's crazy. I don't want to be separated from God. But when you look at the image that's created here in the book of Jonah, you realize that, wait a minute, separation from God is not just whatever I make it up to be. It's a detailed thing over here that Jesus went to the absolute point of what death is, right? And the reason that we are so flippantly, uh, 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 or we, the reason we're so casual about what death is, about walking with God, about having faith in God, right, is because we're living in a world that's always given us an alternative to numb out the impacts of death, right? That's what's called dead works. There's a situation in my life, uh, it's causing me some problems, I can feel like the harmony of God is not here, you know, God's peace, that's, uh, that leading of the Holy, it's not here, leading of the Holy Spirit, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to make a plan, I'm going to make a plan, and plan after plan after plan, death, separation from God becomes such a norm to us, it, it's even something that we don't even fear. Do you know some people have no issue being out of step with God? in their own lives. Now, ah, if it goes wrong, we'll make a plan. No, dude, hold on, what? No, you wanna be in step with the Holy Spirit because you don't want things to go wrong. Are you with me? They have made dealing with death, which is separation from God, right, or not doing it God's way, right? They've made it so manageable. They've made it a pathetic existence that they're more than comfortable with just going by. 
Meanwhile, God's saying, listen, come and get to know me. I am abundant life. Are you with me? But what happens is, is that there's always an alternative. There's always a plan. And the worst part is that the self-righteous Christian belief is that faith is my alternative. So I'll carry on going my way of death, but I'll just confess and believe and then it's going to come right. Can you guys see in this example the pure image of what faith is? He is in the place of death itself. He's got no bank manager to phone, right, to make a plan. He's got no best friend's shoulder to cry on. He can't WhatsApp the pastor and say, hey, Wena, please pray for me. The demons are closing in, pastor. He's there by himself. Are you with me? There's no alternative, no option. And in that place, when he's got nothing, when his own soul, which we're going to read just now, when his own soul is crushing him, right? He's only got one thing. He's got the trust in the integrity of God's character. End of story. That's all he's got. And you know how low we've put that on the priority list? You know why? Because he's a God we can't see. That's why. And because we love our lives. And yeah, we, we, we love our lives, all the physical things. Trust is simply this, guys. It's, uh, I mean, sorry, faith is simply this. It's trust in the integrity of the character of God. Is that I, my trust will not move based on anything else other than God. And because people have become so overwhelmed over the years of situations that they face in their life, they have compromised on the integrity of the character of God. That's why they get these crazy theories that, listen, God's putting cancer on you. He's, he's testing you. Something's not going well. Oh, this is, this is God testing your faith, brother. God tests our faith. I had a conversation with a dude once. He's like, no, but God tests our faith. I'm like, okay, why? Tell me why I test. No, no, to, 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 to see, you know, if, if, if it's really true. I'm like, okay, but God knows all things, right? Yeah. So why is he testing our faith? Like short circuit, you know, like, oh, uh, the brain misfires. Why? Because we are compromising the character of God to protect the logic that we're holding on to. So when Jesus is here in nothing, the heart of the earth, the waves and everything, Whacking on him, locked in the foundations of the mountain, darkness everywhere, doesn't even know, doesn't have confirmation in his own uh, evidence, in his own evidence that God is hearing his prayers. Yet he says, I know you hear me. Like I mentioned last week, he didn't get a read receipt. There's no blue ticks in WhatsApp. God, you hear my prayers. God, blue ticks, okay, he's, he's, he's heard it. No. He knows because he knows the Father listens. Amen. That's what Scripture says. We gotta, we gotta do this now, guys. Before yeah. the day of depression comes, you gotta build your house now before the storm. Do you know how difficult it is to go build a house in the middle of a storm? You know, when when we sit up here and we say, "Come to prayer meeting on a Wednesday," we're not. We can sit at home and watch Sermon Alarm, guys. We don't. We don't want you to fill the chairs. We guys. don't do this church for money. Just by the way. As you can see with our tithe message this morning, usually it's about uh, 45 minutes if you go some places. It's all about money for 45 minutes. How's that training your heart to trust in your money and not in this situation? Why is it that when a doctor says, listen, I've got to give you bad news, all of a sudden, all of the stuff that Bash just spoke about, how we're trying to protect our lives, live for our lives, that goes out of the, it goes out of the window and immediately it's like, God, why? Why not do that now? So that when, if anything does come, because Jesus said there will be storms. We live in a fallen, broken world. And we should be, we should be uh, um, using every moment to learn the word. Be on a Wednesday. Get, get a word from the Lord. Give your lives to Christ. Make it first. He's saying, listen yeah, you got to die so that you can live. That's what he said. Die to what? Don't worry about all that stuff that you want. You know, if you seek first the kingdom, you're going to bump into it anyway. But he's saying, die first. Get your heart established in my word. Just the same way as Christ had it established in his life, in his heart. 
when you had to go through the grave. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, this is serious stuff. <laughs> so listen to the warning in 8, verse 8. Now listen carefully to what he says here. He says here, and right in the midst of being, let's go to 8 quickly, those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. Yo, 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 yo. So exactly what we're saying. If Jesus had not hung on to every single thing the word had, and only the word, in the time of his own soul crushing him, he would have forsake, forsook. He would have forsook his own mercy. Are you with me? If you are living this life, and you are trusting people, pastors, churches, money, careers, um, uh, governments, economies, medicine, I don't care what it is, vaccines, I don't care. If you are trusting this thing, you have put it in front of the word and you have created for yourself a worthless idol. I think it's in Jeremiah, I can't remember the scripture that it says, but those who trust in idols become dumb like their idols. <laughs> you know what it's saying? It's saying you become dumb in your spirit. Because your heart, the ears to your heart become deaf. And, the, and the, the heart becomes so dark, you become dumb like an inanimate object that you are trusting in. But when the time comes, we will be okay, amen? Because we're sitting here this morning and we chose to understand what Christ really did for us in the grave. Amen? Give him a big shout of praise. <clears throat> and look at verse 9. <clears throat> verse 9 says, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. Hey? I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Look at that. What is, what is he saying? He's saying, I'll give you thanksgiving in the middle of all of this. That's what you call appropriating faith because he's actually before he's receiving it before he's experiencing it he's going i'm giving you thanksgiving yeah. exactly. you know family there was a time where i went through serious burnout i had a nervous breakdown because i was working three jobs and the ministry and uh, it caught up with me after working like that seven days a week sometimes double shift sometimes i do a triple shift it was crazy um because uh, i was chasing the blessing I was told in the church that, you know, if you're not blessed financially, if you don't have financial blessings in your life, you're not blessed by God. And there's something wrong in your life. So what that does is it puts you in a place where you feel like, yes, I have to go and get this and I have to go and get that. But this was, I was a baby Christian and eventually what happened to me, I hit burnout, came back from holiday and uh, I was busy doing some Bible study and for the first time, in three years, I actually had taken a two-week break. I think it was two weeks, right? And after the fourth day of coming home, of being at home, all the anxiety, because you know what happens when you're overworking, your, your cortisol just goes through the roof, and you actually now release uh, um, uh, what's around, uh, um, adrenaline in your body to the point where you are so wired you can't sleep because you're working those hours. Now you want to rest, and the, the cortisol's at 100 with adrenaline, and guess what? You ain't sleeping. Even though you wanna rest, you're on holiday, you ain't sleeping. So that happened for three weeks, I couldn't close my eyes. And let me tell you something, the depression that I went through was crazy, because you know what happens when you have a nervous breakdown? Your mind snaps. It literally feels like your mind snaps, and it runs. And let me tell you something, when it runs, you can't stop it. It just goes. You can't sleep. You can't, you can't be in the presence of people. You're just constantly trying to get your mind to keep quiet. And you can't. Your brain is going. That was the, day I that was the time I realized that my mind and my brain are two different things. Because my brain wanted to shut down, but my mind was in absolute total fear. And what happened was, my digestive system stopped working, everything started shutting down, I lost like 15, 16 kilos in those three weeks, it was crazy. If I had to show you a photo, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe, well, 
especially now, I'm over 100 and something, so you would definitely not believe it. <laughs> I wasn't smuggling donuts those days. But, but what happened was, all I had was the word. And it was Jamie, my young daughter, the, the little one, it was her birthday, she was, a, I think it was turning five. The whole family was outside, and I was trying to lay down and rest in the room, and in my head, all I heard was all the fear, all the stuff I had been reading about what happens in a, in a breakdown, that you could possibly have a heart attack and die immediately, because your body is gone. Your kidneys are shutting down. Everything's shutting down. You can die any moment. So I'm laying there, and I'm going... God, what, all I have is you. Yeah. They try to give me tablets, but listen to it. They try to give me repnol. You know repnol tablets? It's a date rape drug. That's how strong it was. I popped that thing, and let me tell you something. I went like this, and I was up again. I think I closed my eyes for about three minutes. My wife had to put me on her chest like a, like a little baby fetus, and she had to talk into my ear so that I could just rest because I was constantly in fear. And let me tell you something, there was one afternoon, I heard everybody having a party outside, they were having fun, and man, after three weeks, all you wanna do is sleep, you dream. I used to have visions of me running down the passage and then diving on the bed. <laughs> I was dreaming Sealy Posturepedic's best adverse they could ever think of. <laughs> And let me say, I had no option except the word. But at that moment, my soul had crushed me. The feelings, the physical side, everything had let me down. I was cornered. And while I'm, while I'm laying there and everyone's having fun because I haven't been with family or friends or anything because I can't. And all of a sudden, I get a call from the church that I, was work, uh, that I was serving in. And they said, we need you to come and sing praise and worship the, the, the guy who was supposed to lead is uh, sick. And I'm like, what? Whatever. Do you know what I'm going to you? I ain't going to go sing. Are you crazy? I'm not even in, in the party with my family. You want me to go sing in front of 3,000 people? Feeling like this. And I said, guys, I can't do it. And I put the phone down. But I love God so much. And I was also under a lot of condemnation. Uh, I thought, now nah, I'm letting God down, you know? <laughs> but anyway, guess what happens to baby Christians when you get the wrong word? But anyway, I laid there and the Holy Spirit said to me, Put on a garment of praise with a spirit of heaviness. And I was like, huh? Just this voice just came out of nowhere. He said, put on a garment of praise in this time of heaviness. And what I did was I put music on and I just started worshiping. And I started worshiping. And the next moment, I was, I was putting my clothes on, getting ready to go and sing at the church. And let me tell you something, on the way there, the, the depression and the, the anxiety, the fear of death, all that stuff that's on you, I'm driving and I am just worshiping, man. I'm just going, I'm taking the word and I'm taking the word literal. And I'm worshiping and I'm stopping at the robots and I'm crying and the guys next to me are like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, Jesus, I love you, Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm putting on a, a garment of praise. And every robot, the cars were just like, you know? And eventually I get to the church, and the next moment they, uh, they say, listen, uh, you've got to get up on there. And, I, and I'm like, I don't really want to, but I get up there. And I just took the word, put on a, spirit of, uh, a garment of praise, put on a garment of praise. And I pushed through with a garment of praise. Let me tell you something. I cannot explain to you what happened. That after the third song, going into the third song, um, it, it first got worse. I felt like throwing the microphone down and running outside because my mind, like I told you, it was gone. And the next moment, the word of God anchored my soul. The promises of God flooded into me. The presence of God took over me. Let me tell you something. That my entire, from here, my head went into heaven. I went into heaven for about three or four minutes. People took photographs from the audience because they take photos of the worship processions. And in the photographs, my head wasn't in the picture. It was just a bright light. But that's exactly what I was experiencing because my head went into heaven and all I saw was this bright, beautiful white light. Now you must remember, guys, there's 3,000 people singing with me. But I ain't singing anymore. I'm in heaven. 
Okay? The power of God hits us so hard, all the singers fall over on the stage. The, the band is just like, okay, what are we doing? I am on my knees, and I am crying out with joy, and nobody can see my head, apparently, but I'm crying out with joy, and in a moment, everything was healed. Everything was healed. Man, when I got home, I picked up my daughter. I was, in the, I was in the center of the party with her. We were singing. We were jolling. We were having a, having a fun time at the bra. And never again did I ever fear depression, did I ever fear anything physically. I've always, now, whenever I have any issue, it's always the word of God that I trust. Come on. Amen? Nothing else. Amen. That has happened many times. Many times we've had experiences with God like that as a family. But that's only because we took the word literally. Mm. Take the word, you know, through the character of God. Yeah. Amen? If you want to jump in there, bud. Yeah. Um, I remember last week, because uh, we were talking about this, obviously, before we started. And he's asked me, you know, he's explaining that depression thing he explained now. And he's like, have you been in depression? I'm like, no. Okay. <laughs> Have you, have, a, have you had a nervous breakdown? I'm like, no. Like, sorry, dudes. I can't go there with you, you know? <laughs> Who feels like that? Like, like, you know, I've heard some preachers, man, and yo, it was almost as if God went and pulled them out from the heart of the earth, you know, sort of thing. And I'm just like, yeah, I did my homework, Lord, I'm saved, thanks. You know, like, I didn't have, like, hectic things, you know? But it's so amazing is that to experience this life, you don't need to go there. Hello? You don't need to go there. Because you see, Romans 6 tells us that in the same way that Christ died, right? The same way that Christ died to sin, okay? That place of death that we read about where he was. We must die the same way. But not through our own death. Through his death. Are you with me? Because, you know, the, 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 the thing is also, how, how do they market when, you know, like preachers come around or bands or, you know, whatever, you know, the Christian events, they market the crazy life that they had before they met Jesus, you know? This guy was a drug dealer and a murderer and, you know, all these, this sort of stuff. And you're like, yo, if God could change a guy like that, imagine what he could do for me. Listen, the guy's life who God changed was Jesus. Because the death he died is the death that you and I were born into. Because of Adam. Are you with me? And the only reason you got to that place was because you weren't connecting to the life. You know what I'm saying? If we make the choice today to connect to the life he is living now, death will be something foreign to every single one of us. We will walk in the true victory. We won't be singing here, I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. We won't be seeing visions of, oh, I see victory, Lord. You know, we pray for victory and breakthrough. Why? Why are people doing that? Because they're not living in the life that Jesus has now. You see, that prison of death that Paul explains that we were born into, you can't come out of that thing, guys. The only way to come out of that thing is to die to it and be brought to life again. Are you with me? Don't get swept up in the, the, the stories of your struggles and your challenges and all this stuff. You know what? Don't even be half-hearted about it. Be like, you must be like this, right? If you're facing a challenge in your life, say this challenge is not bad enough. You know why? Because that challenge is still less than the fullness of death that Jesus experienced. Listen to what I'm saying. What's up with that challenge, man? Jesus died to the fullness of death for you and for me. Come what may, I don't care. I know who God is. Are you with me? I know who God is. And that's what it comes down to. Even in Hebrews, Hebrews 13, right? It says there, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Beautiful, right? But then he gives a reason. He's like, yeah, okay, cool, right? Because... There's a harvest coming on your tithing. No, it doesn't say that. There's a harvest coming on your sowing. 
Because God has a great plan for your life. No, what does it say? Because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Beautiful. That just brings me, listen, that brings me into the next part, which is so amazing. Can we have five minutes? Are you guys cool? It's 10 past. Are you guys getting something this morning? Okay, I don't want to leave without this. But, um, wow. So you see where your faith begins. Okay? So in actual fact, everyone's been given the same measure of faith. So what is the measure of faith? It's the finished work of Christ. Okay? So this is how it actually works, family. Your faith starts with Jesus. So we do what Jesus did. We take God's character, all the testimony of God's goodness, all the way through the Old Testament, all the scriptures, and then we see Jesus' finished work on the cross. We look at all the promises. We line them all up through the finished work of Christ. Are you with me? Jesus did it without the cross. We at least got the cross. So now we take the cross and we go and we say, okay, our faith begins with him who finished the work. Then we graft ourselves into Christ. Now his faith becomes our faith. Exactly. Do you understand what I'm saying? If at any time you look to yourself for the power or the strength or the knowledge or the, uh, uh, the anointing or the great call on your life to get you out of your situation, jy is in groot, gave you wat. You know what I'm saying? If you take your eyes off Jesus, you have no faith. Your faith is in Him. It begins with the Word of God, the character of God, then the finished work on the cross, and then you are now. The, the Bible says our new reality is the reality in Christ. So you're in Christ. Are you with me? Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. So we, we get grafted into his faith. Now his faith becomes our faith because we're in him. Amen? And then we use it the way he used it. But the cool thing is, it's all on him. Amen? So we're going to go and check out quickly. Let's see what Paul says here. He says, um, let me just get to the scripture. Actually, if you go to John... If you go to John 6, 29, you know, what about the story where the guys are trying to cast out the devil out of the young boy and he keeps falling into the water in the fire and all this kind of stuff. And then they come to Christ and they say, won't you give us, teach us to have great faith, Jesus? And Jesus says, hey man, guys, your faith is basically misplaced. That's what, he's, what he was saying. And he's saying, you don't actually need great faith for this. Why was he saying that? He's saying, you need faith of a mustard seed because your faith starts in him. Then the disciples came up to him on another occasion and they said, what is the work that we must work? The work of the Lord. What is it that we must do, God? And Jesus turns around and says, um, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who is sent. Go back one scripture so you can see what they said. Um, then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? <laughs> work the works. Next one. Believe in the one whom has been sent. That's it. Do you understand where your faith is? Turn to the person next to you say, man, you, 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 you're amazing. Man, you're but, amazing. You, but you're not as amazing as Jesus, okay? Not as amazing as Jesus. So just leave it in his hands. Okay, uh, let's go to one more scripture here. Let's go to, I took it down. Um, I, th I think it's, it's one, if it's, uh, no, 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 it's Ephesians. Where is it? Ah, oh, there it is, thanks. Okay, let's go to Ephesians 1.18, and let's read this together. Now, this is Paul, the apostle, and this is a prayer that he is, he is, um, he's written to the people in Ephesians. Now, when the apostle prays, how, do you, how many of you guys know we should listen? And we should copy the prayer of an apostle. Amen. Not these other modern day apostles. I'm talking about the apostles. Exactly. These guys that are calling themselves apostles, as soon as they say, hi, my name's apostle, so uh, step, run. Hi, please leave. <laughs> I'm telling you, run. Okay? So look what it says here. It says, okay, you can go one back, thanks. Maybe just from 16 even. 
Um, do not okay, we do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Okay, go. That God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Okay? In him. Okay? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. How many Christians are running around today going, yes, God, I need to know my calling. I need to work the works of God. But what did he say the works of God? Is having faith in and hope in his calling. Having a certain expectation of the calling of Christ. Yeah. Not the calling of Dwayne. Not the calling of uh, 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 Sheldon or Bash. The calling of Christ. What, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? So this is not about our anointing. It's not about our calling. It's about his anointing and his calling that we are grafted into by believing in him. Exactly. Are you with me? Let's go. And the moment we take our eyes off him and we put it on ourselves, we are not going to partake of the riches of his glory in the inheritance. Because not only did he beat the grave, he got resurrected to sit at the right hand of the Father. Amen? And it says, in him we are seated in heavenly places. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, wow. I've always thought it's about my faith. I've always thought it's about my behavior or how great I am. You know why? Because you were taught like that. You've got to be so careful who you listen to, family. Romans 10, 17 says that, word, uh, that faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. If you hear the wrong word, your faith is going to be misplaced. And in the time that your own soul could possibly crush you, you'll have no way out. Exactly. Just like me. I sat there and in my time of crushing, I went to, for prayer in this cult, the faith cult that I was in. There's a faith cult out there that makes faith all about us and what we do. And it's almost 90% of the body of Christ believes in his faith cult teachings. And when my soul crushed me, I went to the cult leader. And I said, I need prayer. I need prayer. And you know what he could do? All he could do was point it back to me. He said, you must have sinned. I want you to go home. I'll pray for you, but I want you to go home and I want you to check the sin in your life. You've opened the door to the devil through your sin. That's what he said to me. Now, how many of you guys know that ain't going to help anxiety? Yeah, I think it's like, there's a good chance it won't, eh? Like, yeah. <laughs> it actually made the problem, the experience 10 times worse. Because I went even more into myself, even more into my own tools, my own soul that had collapsed on me, trying to figure a way out. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. If he had known, bless his heart, that's what he was taught. Amen? If he, if he could have just pointed me to Jesus and taken my eyes off myself, I would have got out of my problem in a day and not two months later. Yeah. Are you with me? Exactly. Man, God is good. Amen. God is good. Give him a big shout of praise. Come on. So, guys, that was the death, the burial. Now we're going to go into the resurrection. So can you give us an hour? Yeah, yeah a quick coffee break, and you guys can come back in. <laughs> but are you guys enjoying the series on the cross? Yeah. See, we've got to know these things, and these are the things that for some reason just don't get taught. Because yeah. shallow Christianity is all about making you feel okay in yourself so that you'll come back next week and you'll go and enjoy your life running after all those idols that are going to forsake your mercy, your own mercy. We cannot, as pastors in this church, and we will not stand up here and ever give you a message like that because your souls, I mean, we're accountable for it. Every word that gets preached and taught from this place, if it does not take you back to Jesus, we have failed. If in every service we do not show you Jesus Christ, it is a service, I tell you now, don't go listen to the message. 
Don't go and meditate on it at home, please. It's going to confuse you. Rather just say, we'll give you a chance next week again. Are you with me, folks? This is all about Jesus, man. So when we just close our eyes there and, and just meditate on how good he has been to us. Amen. We're going to be starting up discipleship school soon. And uh, man, every single one of you should register. It's going to be 200 rand a month. Um, and we're going to go into the word like this. Did you see the depth this morning? A little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. Man, the deeper you go, the less shallow, shallow, the less the shallow world will have a hold on you. Shallow problems and challenges, like Bash said, you're going to look right through them because you have depth. Depth in what? Depth in the one who saved you from all of those things. You'll be lost in yourself and found in him. Amen? That's where we want to be. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we see this morning how important your word is for us. And Jesus, we just want to thank you. You knew what you had to go through. And you had to use your faith just like us. Thank you for doing what you did. Thank you for redeeming us and making us perfect in you. Thank you for taking off the weight of this broken place. Trying to, as broken people, find some way of feeling whole or accepted or worthy or blessed. You took it all away. Not only did you take our sin, but you took, you took the, the different ways away and you showed us the way to be peaceful, to be whole, to be accepted, to enjoy this life, to enjoy our families, enjoy ourselves, be okay in our own skin. Not walking around measuring ourselves 24-7, wondering if we're okay with you, with the Father, but knowing deep in our hearts that we lean on you, we cling to you, the Savior of our souls. Thank you, Jesus. No one has shown us a greater love than yours. No one comes close to you. You're number one in my heart. You're number one in my soul. I love you, Jesus. Let's give him some thanksgiving praise this morning. Come on. Amen.